the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Get it on my leader around to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Isles and I'm the chief football writer of the Bolton News. Welcome to the Bolton Wanderers podcast made with real bits of panther. 60% of the time, it works all of the time. And not on the show this week. Elderly away fan at Forest Green claims he was shouting booerns. Dougie Friedman. Ian Marshall turns down chance to host own chat show on GB News. The competition's launched to see how far out of context an Ian Everett quote can actually be taken. But first, if you caught our fans forum stream on Facebook Live earlier this week and you thought, you know what, I fancy a go at that, then please do get in touch. We're looking to get a bank of interested supporters together for a new project we're launching on the Bolton News very, very soon. Uh, you should know that email by now, but it is thebuffmail at gmail.com. And remember, all the mails have an I in them. They're not M-A-L-E, they're M-A-I-L. You know that already. Okay, it's time to introduce the podcast co-pilot and a man so depressed by the forest green result that he's eaten nothing but meat since Saturday afternoon. It's Henry Hewitt. Henry, how is the diet coming along? Not very good. I mean, I, I've uh, I've not been to the toilet in four days, and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but I am ready to to punch a wall. So, uh, which is how I felt after the Forest Green game, finally. You know? No, fair enough. I've had no sleep. You're backed up a bit, so this is going to be a punchy. <laughs> this is going to be a punchy buff if there ever was one. I think. Um, yeah, doom and gloom, doom and gloom. That's all there is this week. Um, we thought the reaction to Cheltenham was quite bad. But when you lose two games in Gloucestershire by one goal to nil, then you better hold my beer because it has been a really bad week, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It's um, yeah, just, just disappointing. I mean, so so disappointing that you've had to have an emergency fans forum on Facebook this week. <laughs> um, which I mean, going off some of your emergency broadcasts from years ago, this is uh, it does make me laugh. The irony of we lose two games and suddenly it's a, a disaster. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think the you know we've lost two games against teams we should be beating. Let's yeah. face it, especially if you want to get promotion. But I think it's the manner of the defeats, um, the fact that the, the for both of the opponents' goals, it was poor defending, um, which we've done. We've defended quite well this season, so it's just disappointment. But. You know we've got three home games in the next four now, so hopefully we can get back on the get back on the horse. Get back on that horse, indeed. I will say about the fans forum. The reason we did it, is I, I've been promising that I would do more Facebook Live stuff, and it just seemed a good a good in on that one. But we'll have a we'll have a little chat about that. What went on at the fans forum later on, I'm sure. But um, as far as Forest Green goes, I think it was a game of it was a game of two halves, and I'm not sure I liked either of the halves, if I'm honest, because the first half very much like Cheltenham. Very little going for it. Very few players coming out of it with any sort of credit whatsoever. Struggled to keep hold of the ball properly. Struggled to play through midfield again. You know, it just wasn't happening at all. Obviously, conceded a goal which was quite sloppy as well. Second half, it was all about missed chances. Now, you don't really want either of them, do you? But I suppose, can you get any encouragement from the fact they played better attacking football in the second half? Yeah, you know, when I watched the fans forum the other day, um, you know, with you and uh, uh, the two Chrissies and Will, was it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I know a few of them said that actually the Forest Green performance was a lot worse than the Cheltenham. And I actually thought, well, I actually did take a bit of encouragement from the second half, thinking, well, at least we created stuff, mm. well, whereas against Cheltenham we didn't. But um, yeah, it's the fact that we, we didn't, you know, we, we created those chances and... We just didn't look, we didn't, I don't think we just, we didn't challenge the goalkeeper. Even sadlier in the 91st minutes, skied it from mm. about eight yards. So that's the disappointing thing. It's just, you know, we have, we were going into the season saying, well, up front, we don't need to strengthen. We're fine. We've got six very good strikers or five very good strikers. And yeah, none of them really look that, 
deadly at the moment. You know, you think Charles is only scoring from the penalty spot. Bod Varson, a good finish it was against Lincoln, was gifted the goal. Mm. Uh, Apple Lyons scored from a heavy deflection. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's disappointing. And, and the thing is, whereas last year, at the end of last season, you'd trust that we would win games because we were always scoring twos and threes. Now it seems that we've suddenly got into this area where we need to keep a clean sheet because we're not scoring. Mm, mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, we've, we've talked about the kind of the change of the emphasis on, on, on the press, which I think has taken something away from the front men. I think it's given them le- a fewer opportunities or maybe just getting them in the, in the different types of areas than they would have been last season where there wasn't quite that emphasis on them tracking down defenders. It's made them a better defensive unit. And I think if they can just tweak it a little bit just to give you know, a little bit more threat or take a few more chances, maybe it's a confidence thing, then I think it can work. But at the moment, you know, you're getting the worst worst of both worlds, really. You, you, you sat down, you feel, it feels like there's not enough creativity there overall, really. You wonder whether the balance is right in midfield as well. The strikers, whether they're over-elaborating, whether, whether they're just a bit shot-shy or whether it's just literally you know, confidence thing and on the finishing, something isn't right there. And the only thing that really seems to be working is the fact they're defending. But you can only defend for so long before a crack will appear. And, you know, the way that they conceded at Forest Green wasn't great. It wasn't wasn't fantastic. Wickham had about three or four players around him. There's no way on earth he should have got to that ball first. But it was probably the only defensive mistake they really made in the game. And you could almost you could almost allow at least one chance per game. I don't think that's a, a, a terrible thing, even though I thought Forest Green were a, a fairly poor team. Um, mm. I think considering the number of chances that Bolton had in the game overall, three or four very good chances, that one should have been won. Yeah, definitely. Um, and th- that was yeah, that was the disappointing thing was that we didn't we we didn't even come close to scoring. You know, I mean, I know Charles had the ball him in at twice through offsides or fouls or whatever it was but like it's still yeah it's just disappointing we um and, and we've got to address it and I know we're at home the next few you know few weeks quite a few times and we are better at home but you know that again we said last week that oh it's good we've got Forest Green a, a, a game at this tight ground because it gives us a chance to get over the Cheltenham game uh, but now when we've got Accrington next week you're suddenly thinking oh I don't <laughs> do trust that, us. That, yeah, <laughs> do yeah. That, that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do with a Sheffield Wednesday away or something. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it is slightly worrying. But as as you said on that fans forum, would you have took well seventh now after twelve games? You probably would have. Yeah, they dropped the midweek games. Obviously, I think Peterborough were the big winners there, weren't they? They they jumped up into fifth. Barnes they dropped down to sixth. So this weekend is obviously a, a big one. Um, but again, you know, I, th- I think. As you say there, I expected Bolton to be there or thereabouts in the playoffs this season, full stop. And I don't, you know, if, if they were to drop down to mid-table, I think there would be a very legitimate question to say, hey, you know, something is definitely not working here. Um, but as a whole, on the first, what we are on, 12 games now, they are the seventh best team with a potential, I suppose, with the game in hand on, on a couple of the ones above them, they could potentially be one of the top six. They're roughly on par at the minute. If, it, if you're using a golf term, they're roughly on par. So I don't think there's time, it's, it's time to, to get sort of overly upset about things. I just think it seems like it's a, it's, a very, it's a very similar problem following Bolton through from last season now, which is disappointing considering... It looked as if they'd evolved. It looked as if the team had improved. To take that step back just feels all the more agonising. Yeah, it does. And that's uh, we've, we've said so many times last year about playing at these smaller grounds and teams that aren't going to give us the ball and just let us play. Um, but then that was going into this season. You thought, well, maybe we've got a, a bit more bite in the midfield. Mm-hmm. We're not going to suffer from that anymore. And yeah, it's the same old story. So... Uh, yeah, he's, he's, I think he's just frustrating. I think that's the thing for most of the fans. The majority are happy with where we are and understand that this is probably yeah, where we are as a club, where we are as a squad, um, You know, challenging for the playoffs. And I'm confident we will do that. But I think for, for most fans, it's just frustrating. It's just disappointing, especially the ones that went to Cheltenham and went to Forest Green. 
um, you know, you've not really had anything to get excited about. Mm. Well, this is a news podcast, so I guess we better bring you a couple of headlines. News. Yeah, well, the first one is, uh, well, it's coming off the back of that Forest Green game and it was half time. Now, I weren't at the game, but I did watch it, um, you know, on, on iFollow. Um, and you could hear the boos at half time. Obviously, you were there, you'd have been able to hear them more. But Ian Everett spoke about it, but you, I don't know. It, you've got to say that it was kind of justified because we were poor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a couple of things. I would, Certainly, straight after the game, um, it was obvious that he had responded to some of the negative comments, whatever they were, whether they're abusive comments or what have you, as he went back down. The, the tunnel at Forest Green is in the corner of the ground, so he had to walk back past towards the corner flag with the Bolton fans on his right. Um, and obviously, at that point in time, Bolton 1-0 down, playing very poorly, I think, Fans legitimately voice their uh, disapproval at that. Now, whether somebody's overstepped the mark a little bit, it wouldn't be the first time, let's be honest. Um, it also probably wouldn't be the first time that, that Ian Everts maybe reacted a little bit and, and, and such like. He wears his heart on his sleeve. We know that of him. So whether that's right or wrong, uh, I don't know. I don't know. He's, I thought his... his um, his response afterwards in the in the post-match kind of press conference was very, very measured. I thought, you know, he, he held his hands up. He said, listen, I'd, I'd have been there booing with them. Um, I don't like it when they overstep the, the kind of the boundaries a little bit and when, you know, things that are said that are abusive. And that's he's, he's quite within his right to say that as well because he's completely correct. Um, you don't need to get abusive. Um and I thought it was quite it was quite measured. I was a bit peeved, and I'll I'll say this on the podcast. I was a bit peeved that uh, I got stitched up a little bit um, with some of the social media stuff around the story. Uh, it was nothing to do with me. It was the newspaper that kind of uh, do that sort of thing. Some of the pull quotes, some of the um, some of the headlines uh, were a little bit overboard on that, and I think they didn't really reflect that that Ian Everett was uh, quite measured. Um, I thought my story did. I'll stick up for myself, but I thought some of the, some of the headlines are just, uh, it's one of them. And as, as a writer, you get, you know, you get used to this sort of thing, but um, it's not the first time that uh, I've, I've looked at a newspaper on a Monday morning and thought, oh, bloody hell, I'm not, I'm not keen on that headline at all. Um, and I dare say, I dare say he never would have picked up the paper and thought exactly the same thing. Genuinely, I, I don't think there was any any ma massive drama about about him, him highlighting that after the game. He was answering a question from myself about it because it was clear he, he had obviously reacted. I don't think it was a, a particularly bad reaction. So, um, you know, you know what football's like, Henry. They'll be singing his name if they beat Barnsley on uh, on ninety minutes. It's it's that easy. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's the beauty of football, and I think. Um... Uh, yeah, you're always going to get the odd person saying stuff. And you see on social media, certain players uh, are getting a bit of stick at the moment. And, um, yeah, you know, the, the team's just lost against Cheltenham and Forest Green. It's And we've got to remember that Bolton fans, uh, no matter what division we're in, we still, a lot of us still see ourselves as the biggest club in the world who should be in the Premier League. So when you're getting beat to Cheltenham and Forest Green, there's going to be a lot of unhappy people. But um, yeah, I think I think Ian Everett understands as well, and and I remember these similar comments after the Accrington game, and it was with that it was about calling out certain players. Mm. So he's probably been the same, and he's trying to defend his team, which as a manager you you're gonna mm. and you've got to respect respect that about him. But um, yeah, if it, if it has, I'd imagine that's probably what's happened. Um, but you know, Ian Everett is is someone who wants the best. He, he expects the best, so he will agree with the fans deep down. Defeats to Cheltenham and Forest Green are not good enough, so that's probably why he's saying I, w I would have booed as well. Yeah, it's weird. I, I actually, just as you were saying that about Forest Green and Cheltenham, I remember way back in the Championship days. Do you remember Yeovil coming to Bolton and getting a draw? 
Oh, uh, two. It was a, a was it a an own goal that Alex Baptiste that's bailed right. us out in the last that's minute. Right. It was yeah. the game Mark Tierney did his uh, did his ankle, his leg, and uh, obviously mm. that ended his career. I think at the time, uh, I don't think he ever played again for Bolton. But um, yeah, I just remember at the time, and I think even I, I might have even done it in my match report. Just just saying, oh, what what an embarrassing day this is for Bolton Wanderers that they should be you know welcoming a team with. The comparative history of Yeovil and, and only managing to draw, and I, I think probably looking back, that was that was a a bit of a wrong thing to write at the time. Um, whether it's the right attitude, wrong, it, it, you're going to lose games, and I, I think it's just it doesn't matter who you lose them against. If you lose them in that fashion, it, with that sort of performance, I think you are warranted to, to criticise. Whether it was Sheffield Wednesday, or Plymouth, or Ipswich, or Cheltenham, or Forest Green, if you play as badly as you did in the first half against Forest Green, or in the ninety minutes against Cheltenham, I think you are you're entitled to to voice uh, some criticism of the way it's been handled, or even even say you know what what happened over the course of the two games. I think if you look over the course of the season. You know, you've got to you've got to make your criticisms based on what's happened this season. You can, I think, legitimately say we have not scored enough goals because I think it is a concern that Bolton are not scoring enough goals. But you've also got to you've also got to say, hey, we're much better defensively. So it's you've you've just got to be balanced with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I think, but it's the heat in the moment as well, and you, you've yeah. got to. If you're travelling all the way down to Forest Green, and to be honest, I know a lot of fans actually had a good day out, and I saw all the the comments on Twitter before it saying, "Oh, this is great!" You know, look how rural it is, and and all of that. Uh, and hopefully, in the next few years, we won't be playing these sort of teams. So enjoy it while you can. But um, you have travelled a long way, especially if you've gone to Cheltenham as well. Mm. So you are expecting just a, something as and you know to be entertained, something to get you off you. You, well, I say get you off your, uh, your seat. Everyone was stood up. But, um, hmm. yeah, it's. It, I think they just expected more. And I think what Bolton have done is raise the expectation. Now, if this was last season, as, as um, or maybe not last season, but especially two or three years ago in that season in League One with Keith Hill, where we had no players, maybe a 1-0 defeat against Forest Green wouldn't have been a, as big an issue. But they've raised the expectation and fans expect us to be at least, you know, putting up a better performance in those games. It's it's just the, the race. I, I, and do you know what? Anybody that made that trip to Forest Green or to Cheltenham is absolutely warranted to say what they need to say, as long as it doesn't get too, too abusive. It's no. the ones. It's the ones that you know weren't at the game, or you know, would uh, they're basically they're just racing to have the soundbite on Twitter. They're the ones that drive me mad. Hmm. You know, the, the the ones that you know they composed the tweet on seventy five minutes, and they're just waiting to press send. It's just oh, that, that social media drives me mad, as you well know. So let's move on to another headline that's nothing to do with social media, and almost certainly won't have any air of controversy to it. It's the parking at the stadium. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so, a, a lot of people have been talking about this. They've introduced uh, new parking uh, where you've, you've got to pay and whatever. You see people queuing up after the games. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a lot of people have called it a shambles. But ironically, Neil Hart this week has said, no, it's not a shambles. It used to be a shambles. So, what has it? have they both been a shambles? Is it now a shambles 2.0? Um, what are people getting upset about, and what has what has Neil Hart said in response? Yeah, it's it's an omni shambles, as uh, somebody <laughs> once coined. Um, I, well, a lot of comments have come into us at the newspaper, um, and I'm aware Chris Mann, for example, at Burnham Aces, I think he went out looking for comments uh, to to pass on to the club because I think he's uh, managed to sit down with Neil and speak about it as well. I know there are a lot of people out there that have. Uh, reservations about the way that this new system works Um, so I passed on a couple and basically asked Neil how he thought the new system was going he feels that the teething problems of of which there have been a few um, are now settling down and that the familiarity will eventually make this 
kind of second nature to people and I think he's probably right on that let's let's be honest I think people will eventually just get used to the fact they don't like the park in here and it will become the norm um whether or not it used to be a shambles compared I I can't really tell you my own personal experience it's it, it was fine then and it's it's all right now it's a little bit more fiddly now for me um it used to be easy because you used to just drive in, park, and that was that was the end of it. There was no there was no problem. Um, now it's a now it's a QR code and a and a registration. Um, but for for the average person that's coming, maybe hasn't got a season ticket, maybe just coming once. You're paying eight pounds. You can pay beforehand. You can pay afterwards. You can pay at machines. It's all it is a little bit more complicated. And as I said to Neil, I think you know it's not necessarily people like you and myself who maybe are used to this sort of thing when you go and park in Manchester, for example, and and this you know online payment is quite the norm. I think it's probably a lot like my parents' age, for example would struggle with it i know for a fact that i would be on the end of a phone if my if my mum and dad pulled up at that that car park i would have to sit there on the end of a phone talking them through it because it would be a nightmare so i can fully understand that the that is a problem hopefully that's one that will work there are also problems after what neil hart said and how he uh, sort of explained it uh that have popped i think people think there's a congestion issue i think that people have suggested that there should be another barrier open. I think people have said that eight pound is too much. I think that it should be factored into the uh, that they think it should be factored into the season ticket. Um, whether that's done in the future, I'm not too sure. There are a lot of grumbles around now. One of the big things that came out of that bit of the interview I did with Neil Hart was that he said, "If you've got a grievance, then please get in contact with us." It's just he's as open as that. I think he's spoken to quite a few supporters who have come to the reception or, or emailed in and, and said, listen, I parked here and I've been given this fine or, you know, why aren't you doing this or why have you done this? Particularly, I think some of the disabled fans that have certainly have contacted us at the paper and feel like they've been displaced a little bit, a bit further away because of the fan zone and the, the lower concourse parking has been shifted a little bit. Um, I think that's a, a very legitimate uh, grievance um but he's he's kind of explained the process of why that's happened so i think he's been he's I think he's being fair that he will he will talk to people and he will listen to people and if if it does need a tweak then maybe you can if you have got a good point to make get in contact and tell them and and say you know this it could it couldn't it work better this way or you know i've had this particular problem i think they are trying to be open with it. Um, there are problems, I, I, and one of the big ones for me is that, that Parking Eye, the company that runs the automatic uh, number plate recognition system, they aren't there. <laughs> you know, they, they only see in, in kind of black and white and only earn money if they take people to fix penalties or to, to court. So that for me is a little bit uh, of a gray area you know mm. and, and if if the only way that they get money is to pick people up on the smallest things and to to get these fines that for me feels a little bit uh, like it could be exploited and, and i think that's that's been a common issue wherever parking eye and, and similar operations are installed and whether that be a you know a doctor's surgery or a hospital or or anything because they're absolutely everywhere obviously um it is a it is a problem. It is a problem. So it's it's going to be something that either Bolton fans get used to, or there's this this is going to rumble on, and there's going to be a a lot more stories like the one that we wrote this week. But I mean, what what do you think? Do you think it, do you think it will settle? I think it will, and it's it's the same as the uh, membership scheme. Is that people obviously people don't like change, and and that's understandable. But um, at the same time you know people get used to it and then they'll change it again in another 10 years and people will moan about that but um you know i do understand that it's not easy for everyone um it's yeah it's uh it, it, it can be difficult and the, the way before it was a lot easier you know mm -hmm. but if if the club feel it was a shambles and i'm sure they would have looked at how other football clubs do it and and they do it this way and it's been successful so you know, Bolton are trying to do things in the right way, but uh, sometimes it's 
it's uh, it can have its issues, and I'm sure they they see that and they they're getting used to the fact that they change stuff and uh, you know there's issues. But it's good. It's 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 good that they're listening and it's good that we're having these conversations about it because it, there might be tweaks that can be made to make it better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whether they're doing it the right way, I suppose, is open to is open to objection. I suppose they are doing it. I would say a very cost-effective way. Obviously, having a a company control it for them and all they're doing is getting the money that obviously people pay into the car park which goes straight to the club you know you would you would argue that's the easiest way of doing it potentially and it's a, it's a lot of land as well i mean I, I think it would be a very very difficult car park to steward without those problems that neil hart mentioned people cutting across land or people you know abusing the system if you will so i think there is a there has to be some sort of trade off there that that they, they can't just have, you know, every single little part of the car park all all uh, all sewn up nicely unless they use this sort of system. So I think that there is a trade-off. But, I mean, we've just done five minutes on car parking, Henry. I mean, that's the sort of podcasting that I got into. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah, definitely. You you, were, you know, you said to me, Baltimore is podcast. I thought, brilliant. I've got so much to say about the parking. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, let's move on. Let's do something better. Yeah, well, this is better, actually. It's um, it's about the kits for next season. Uh, now, we know that the club has allowed fans to, to vote on the home and away kit, but it looks like maybe the, the third most popular one will become a, a third kit, a charity third kit. There's certainly a third kit planned. Whether or not it is the third one, we've, we've not had that confirmed. It does sound like it, I have to say. Um, from, from what... We gathered there was 6,000 responses to that online survey, which should guarantee really a, a decent response to whatever kit that comes out. But the two designs, the home and away, now are away with Macron. They're being sorted. For the first time, they're going to have a kit, uh, a charity kit, a third kit, that's going to be available via retail. So I suppose it wouldn't be a, a massive leap to suggest that would be the one that, that loses out. Um uh, or, or one of the designs that was uh, was maybe voted down or second place or what have you for um, uh, for, for the away kit, for example. Well, they're not going to do the home kit, are they? As your third kit, that'd be mm. ridiculous. <laughs> Just and by the way, <laughs> yeah. by the way, it's another white one. Um, but uh, he, he also said Neil Hart when we was talking about it was that um, that we're going to have a bit of a retro feel to the home kit, uh, an eighties or nineties feel. Now. I mean, you know me in kits, Henry. I'm, it's not my thing. It's not really my thing. But um, if you were to, if you were to use the template of an old '80s or '90s kit, is there any any particular one you'd like to see back come back? Um, I think I like when Bolton don't mess around with kits. You know, we've seen before when they've tried to put too much blue on it. Mm. I, I like it when it's more. White, uh, maybe the the old match winner kits. Um, they had a hint of blue on it, but they were quite smart. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think leave the leave the um, the the messing about to the away kits. Keep the home one white, pristine, um, and I'd be happy. Oh, fair dues, fair dues. But it's it's interesting, nonetheless, that we get such an early heads up on it. Really, it looks like. I won't spend my entire summer next year fending off people asking when the kit's going to be announced. So it looks like it's it's very firmly in the pipeline. Um, right, OK, let's have another one. Uh, so you've been having a look at the numbers for Bolton Strikers, and I don't mean on the back of a shirt, I mean the stats. I wish they were that uh, big. <laughs> um, we, we spoke about it early on. Obviously, a lot of eyes on the Strikers at the moment because uh, we expected more goals from them. And you've been having a look and seeing uh, maybe why they have not been scoring as many goals. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite interesting that I mean a lot of the fans' um, ire is concentrated towards uh, well Kachunga for, for for starters. He's he started a lot of games. We've talked about his um, his success in the the pressing game that he never wants to play. He's very, very good at that. He's tactically very aware. He works extremely hard. Unfortunately, that does not necessarily translate to the statistics that you tend to judge strikers, i.e. goals, i.e. shots on target, i.e. touches in the penalty area, because I think we, we found out, I think he's had one shot on target in his 11 games, 11 league uh, appearances. 
So that's not great. You, I mean, however hard you work, you would like to see more than that. Uh, it's the old Johan Elmanda syndrome, isn't it? And, um, you know, you didn't spend eight million plus on Elmanda just to see him run into the channels. So you, you need a you need a, a, a blend. Now, by contrast, Dapoir for Lyon, who has, has spent a lot of time on the bench recently, he's only been getting games off the bench. He's got as many shots on, sorry, as many shots at goal as as pretty much anybody in the division. I think, he, off the top of my head, I think he was fifth or sixth in League One. So he, by by contrast, he's actually taken a lot of pot shots at goal. Not all, not a fantastic strike rate in terms of getting them on target, but he definitely is 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 having a go. So you kind of want to blend the two. You want you want the tactical awareness. You want or you also want shots on target. Dion Charles is ranks. I think he's about fifth or so in League One for touches in the penalty area. So he is getting close to goal, but not getting the shots away. I think Bolton as an attack are not having enough shots on goal. They they are really low on the the whole metric. So we kind of sifted through the stats and and it, you can. You could basically deduce that they're either doing too much close on goal, they're coming out, you know, getting into goal and then coming out and then and starting again, or potentially they're just not getting a shot away uh, because the the number of the, the number of final third entries, and I hate all this modern technical football speakers, you know, but the, the number of final third entries is as high as anybody else in the division. It's just it's not translating to shots on goal or on target. And that has to be a worry for Ian Everett because, you know, they're getting that far. It's just that final touch that's not happening. Yeah, you're right. And uh, you mentioned Dapo there. That's another headline of yours is asking, is it time to unleash Dapo? And mm. both stats, you've got to say it is. And I've said before, I think Dapo is a, a player who needs to have a, a good run of games. And I was very surprised that he... he was coming off the bench in the last uh, in the last two weeks. You know, I, I know Ian Everett will probably come back and give reasons why, but it just seems I don't know. It just it, I don't know whether he's trying to make a point with Dapo if something's happened behind the scenes or um, or or what. I, I'm not quite sure with that one, but it does seem that for a player of his talent, and I know that you know he's, he's had a few misplaced passes and stuff in the games he's come on, but I think that's because he's. He needs that run of games just to warm up and then he'll become the player we saw at the start of last year. So it is a bit confusing for me about why we've not seen more of Dapo, why he's not started now in, in quite a while other than the EFL trophy game. Um, and I don't know, you do wonder if something's gone on there. But I would personally like to see him start. I would like to see him uh, try and make that... Um, that striking role with Dion Charles, his own, um, and uh, and yeah, it's it's. I think those stats probably tell us that that's what should maybe should be happening. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have said that. You know, the fans forum we did the other day uh, with uh, with Chris Walsh, Chris Dawson, and Will Fairclough. Um, I think all three of them pretty much unanimously agreed that that they felt Dapo had been underused. Um, and, and a couple of them mentioned, you know, maybe there's been something off the field. Uh, I, all I can say about that, really, is that it certainly hasn't translated. I mean, for starters, you know, Ian Everett is not good at hiding that sort of thing, you know, and, and to his detriment, let's be honest. Uh, if if he's got a beef with a player, you can pretty much, you know, ask him about it and he says it, you know, he says it as it is. It's very rare you don't. You don't uh, you don't hear about it, and to be honest, I think Dapo is of that ilk as well. And we've spoken to Dapo um, after his goal the other week against Lincoln, and he kind of shrugged his shoulders, just like, "Yeah, of course I want to play." But he, he he said the right things, and they're both you know everybody is saying the right things. Now that doesn't mean you know uh, you know football works in mysterious ways. There could be, there could be something. Who knows? I hope not, because you know Bolton have got a great asset there in Dapoafline, and I'd hate to think that, uh, that that they weren't able to use it, you know, to its absolute fullest. Um, and I really, as I said last season, and I, I maintain now, nobody on that squad, that whole squad, I enjoy watching more than Dapoafline when he's playing well. He's definitely mm. the the guy that gets me on the edge of my seat on the press box. 
and that is saying something. Um, you know, not a lot, not a lot gets me on the edge of my seat on the on the press box, um, unless they've got a new uh, new bag of biscuits or something like that. But it's you know, I, I enjoy watching Dapo, and it's great to watch when he's in full flow. But we just haven't seen it this season, and and that could be a position thing. I, I sense it might be a positional thing that he's, he's he had to relearn the the, the number ten role. He, he kind of got hinted at as a as a strike but never really fully explored and and really what what probably he wants what what a lot of people would like to see is that old you know off the left and 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 seeing him cut inside and and score those goals that he did last season or certainly towards the start of last season yeah um he, he last season he started so well we were talking about you know we were saying we'd be looking to keep him in january and i know he kind of tailed off a little bit uh, around November time, um, but then picked it up towards the end of the season. You know that Sunderland game. You know some of the, his goals and the passing that to Dion Charles was. Uh, you know, we think crossed it. I think it was Dapo who finished off that move actually. But it was, mm. it was brilliant, and he, we know he can do it. We know he's a top top player, and um, you know it's. It seems a shame that he's having to play this bit part role at the moment. But um, you know, if we were if we were winning every game and, and scoring lots of goals, then you could argue, well, yeah, why would you bring him in? But at the moment, we're not. Um, and for me, I, you know, I said last week, I thought it was the, those games against the, the teams in smaller grounds were perfect for Dapo and he showed against Cheltenham because he can make something out of nothing. He's, he's dribbling, he's the best in the club and it could utilise something. Uh but I also think that's the same when we play at home. So for me, I think I would start him in these runner games where we're playing a few at home. I would start him in every game and and try and get that run going of him, you know, and get him warmed up. We'll have a chat later on about exactly where you'd start him because that's that's the question I want to ask. But we'll we'll finish off uh, we'll finish off headlines with one more. Yeah, so uh, Luca Connell, remember him? He's back in town this weekend. Uh, he had a, a brief stint at Celtic and then a few loan moves, I think. And then he's uh, he's ended up at Barnsley. Um, I'll be honest, I don't really know how he started at Barnsley um, in terms of his stats and whether he's been playing much. But um, it'll be nice to see him back because I think a few people, most of us understood why he left. I think a few people were a bit upset and a bit bitter about it. But at that time... The, the irony being, if Luca Connell had broke into the squad now, A, he probably actually wouldn't get a game because we've got better options in the midfield, but he would be sticking around like Thomason. You know, he'd stick around, wait for his chance and, and get in that way. So, uh, yeah, are we are we going to see him on the pitch? Are we going to deceive a Luca Connell that, that shone in that, that awful season where we got relegated from the Championship? Yeah, it was an awful season. Um my own opinion on Luca Connell is that he would have been in the team right now at Bolton Wanderers. I think probably would have been to somebody like George Thomason's detriment, whether that would have even happened. Had had all that nonsense not happened, had had the club been taken out of administration quickly, had that whole start of the season not been an absolute nonsense, then I think Luca Connell would have been one of the biggest assets that Bolton had. I think he was that good. I think he was he was going to be a really good player. And it's a shame that it was Celtic that came along and that it's, I think it's a shame what they did to him. I think they put him in under 23's football and it became a bit a bit stale. It was only when he went out on loan to Queen of the South that he really got anywhere and, and got any progress. And, and it was a bit like Ronan Darcy. You've seen with Ronan Darcy now at Swindon. He's playing every week. He's starting to... to to blossom and he's going to find his level where that level is we'll see we'll see he, you know will he be a, a good league two player will he be a good league one player can he can he go and push and be a good championship player who knows he's still young enough to be able to do it but you need regular football and that's i think this is a cautionary tale you know it was it was a move at the time which maybe bolton had to take because the the club needed money they were going hand to mouth under in administration they ended up getting 350 grand for Luca Connell near and near enough, which was about 100 grand more than they'd got if somebody would have just taken him, um, like in the UK. Uh, just, just like if I think Southampton were one of the clubs that were very close at one stage, Wolves were another one. Um, 
So they were big clubs. And, and Luca, by the way, was all the way through from, well, I think he was about nine when he started. Liverpool and Everton were just always there, always trying to get him. He was he was one of the the big big hitters in the the academy all the way through from being a kid. So, you know, I think Bolton lost a real asset there. That was one of the the, the untold stories of the administration that they lost out such a good player. I wonder whether or not um, Regan Riley will be the same. I wonder, you know, because he went to Norwich, didn't he? Another really good player that you you sell off the kind of this this kind of training fee, forget about him, and then ten years later. We're writing this flipping athletic style story about, uh, you know, Bolton wrote him off and, and didn't think he was good enough for the first team, which is nonsense. They just, unfortunately, their club are in a position where sometimes they have to just grab at these little bits of cash. Um, and they, they're not in a position to be able to hold on to some of these talents. And it's it's a real crying shame. Yeah, I mean, we've, we could have a full squad of players, couldn't we, who, uh, who didn't quite work out at Bolton. Uh, and he will probably be added to that list. So... Yeah, it'd be good to see him on, on Saturday. Does he still have that, that moppy hair of his? <laughs> yeah, the old Beatles look. No, um, I, no he's, he's, I looked on uh, Press Association Images this morning because I did wonder that myself. And uh, it's quite close. I always thought, and I said this in my piece, that I, he reminded me a bit of Jason McAteer. And now he's mm. got a Jason McAteer haircut. It's like he's modelling himself on him. Wow, OK. I just uh, hope well, he doesn't yeah. go into punditry at being sports and start slagging off old managers. <laughs> yeah, watch out, Phil Parkinson. <laughs> right, okay, let's move on. We've had enough headlines. Let's open the post bag. Is that Philip Moresh? And first of all, a note on last week's uh, podcast where we mentioned a footballer called Musa Diallo, I believe his name was, um, who'd played for a Somerset club called Mouse Hole. You remember Mouse Hole, Henry? Yes. Um, or so we thought it was called Mouse Hole. It's not. Uh, many, many, many people, and we're talking double figures of people, have emailed in to explain that it's actually pronounced Mosul. Oh, right, okay. It's not Mousehole, it's Mosul. Uh, so apologies for those who explained nicely, but not to the Arzels that didn't. Good one. Do you get me? Yeah, right, okay. I, I anyway. you, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, um, email time. Uh, the first one we've got is from Gareth, who's emailed us loads of times on the buff, um, and it's an unpopular opinion. Dear Mark and Henry, I've been thinking long and hard about your quest for unpopular opinions, and I think I have one that fits the bill. Um, when we talk about the Premier League days and list the world-class players who played for Big Sam, Okocha, Jorkiev, Campo, Yussi, Davis, Nolan, Stelios, Hierro, there's always one name missing. It's Bruno Ngotti. Uh, Bruno mm. was a mountain. He was consistent. He was genuine France international at a time when it wasn't easy to walk into their team, and yet he hardly gets any love when we list the best players to worn the famous white shirts what are the chances of having on the podcast, he says, and we'd love to hear what he's up to now. Um, I'm not even sure that's an unpopular opinion. It's just probably a good point, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, Bruno, uh, well, Bruno, I think was, um, you know, we did talk about Bruno at the time. All the fans that were there at that time, they were, uh, I think he was he was quite popular. He never, I mean, he had his, obviously had his Bruno chant in the crowd, but I don't, he wasn't, um yeah, he wasn't uh, the first name that you speak of when you talk about that time. But I think the, the people of us watching at the time appreciated Bruno and Gotti. Because I think he came, he might have come before Yuri did. It was he? one or of was the he... very first ones, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, but um, yeah, top, top player. Yeah, interesting. I, I, I know Bruno did work in England for a while. I think he was at Hereford at one stage. Um. So I might, I have got a number for him somewhere. I'll, I'll see whether or not he's still around, Still see whether his English is uh, still pretty good um, and see whether we can get something with him. It'd be quite uh, quite fun to catch up, see what he's up to. Um, and uh, and if you're listening, Bruno, uh, give us a call. That'd be lovely. Um, we'll have another, uh, another email, another unpopular opinion. Dear Mark and Henry, this might be an unpopular opinion. Um, I'll let you guys judge, but I hope the EFL votes to end the 3pm blackout of games on a Saturday afternoon. 
As a wanderer who moved away from the town in the late 90s and now lives in Florida, I keep up with the news through Mark's Twitter, the podcast, and of course, the Bolton News website. Uh, as And can I say, you guys do a great job. Thank oh, you. Thanks. Thank you very much. Um, you've discussed the number of expat Bolton fans in the past, but this seems... Sorry, but it seems to... Oh, sorry. But it seems to thick, this thick between the ears, homesick Lancastrian... They're opening up streaming to clubs so they can get new advertisers, hone their own products, can only be beneficial. Of course, there is no substitute for being there yourself. Watching on a laptop or my phone first thing in the morning is nothing like being stood at the Reebok with a hot pie. Um, I do not think giving clubs the ability to stream games will cost them too many people through the turnstiles. In fact, it may allow clubs to alter the pricing to allow live football to become more affordable. What do you guys think, Dave, in Florida? Wow. Good good, good email, Dave. It's quite detailed, that one. Yeah. Um, I've got to say, I actually agree with him. I, I, I know a lot of people have, have been saying the otherwise, but I think... Uh, I, I don't think attendances will drop that much. Um, I think when you, your team's doing well, as we've seen with Bolton this this season, people want to go. Um, you know, you just have to look at, let's say Glastonbury for an example, and I know that's once a year, but that's on telly and people still want to go. They still sell out the tickets. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I don't think there's. I think it's it's the way that football's going personally, and I think. Um, it will be beneficial because it might open up, you know, if you've got uh, people who, who just want to watch football around the country, if, if they might catch a Bolton game, they might enjoy the way we play and we might get an, an, another fan who's willing to buy all free shirts that we uh, provide. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, for me personally, and I can understand why people are, are against it, the, the three o'clock blackout. It is tradition and maybe through doing that, you're opening up teams to go, well, actually, we want to play on uh, all our matches on a Saturday morning or, or whatever. But um, no, I think uh, I think it'll be a good thing. And I think, uh, it, you know, especially if they can, I know they're talking about selling it to Netflix or Facebook or whoever, you know, if they can get a better deal than what they've got at the moment with Sky, then that'll be good for us as well. You do an MLS podcast and, and, and often you see the Premier League trying to follow suit on, on what they do in American sports. Do they do they have full-on streaming over an MLS? Well, funnily enough, they've actually signed a deal with Apple TV, which comes in next year. Right. So uh, there'll be an MLS app and all games will be available to watch on there. But uh, what they'll do in... I think they'll do it country by country. So the matches that Sky... Because Sky... Have, a match every week on yeah. so that match will still be on Sky but you won't be able to watch it on Apple and I think they'll do the same in the States with Fox and who else does it Fox and ESPN mm. but um, but yeah I think uh, it's you know it's uh, but all their matches are available they, they're on like it used to be here in the in the 90s uh, they have uh, if it's not on one of the big national channels then there's uh, local channels that show the matches uh, they have the I don't know the the Houston version of Elton Wellsby and <laughs> <laughs> on, but um, just but, Elton yeah, Wellsby they... with two guns being fired in the air. In my head, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, they have they've signed a deal with Apple, so it will be interesting with um, to see how that goes in in MLS and whether that can raise the profile of it. But I think for for England, where let's face it, the Football doesn't need, really need its profile raising because it's it's already massive. I think for the EFL, I think it'll be I think it'll be beneficial. But um, I mean, what do you think? Do you think they should keep the blackout? Do you think it'll affect things if they they stopped it? I, they, I'm not I'm not worried about the stream, and I think that's the way it's going to go. I don't think there's anything you can do to stop that. And obviously, there are commercial considerations because the size of the commercial contracts are so big. Uh, that they're not going to want to lose out any. And the danger, of course, is that streaming the, the, the top clubs, the Premier League clubs, go and, and do their own way, and it leaves the EFL clubs 
you know, marooned and potentially facing a, a thinner, thinner slice of the pie. And I certainly wouldn't want that to happen. Um, and we've seen what happened with the ITV digital and, and trying to go your own way isn't always the uh, always the best way. So I, I would like some sort of joined up thinking if they're going to do that sort of thing. I would also like to make sure that, as you said there, that, that clubs can't take the mick too much. I mean, I noticed last weekend that Everton played uh, against United at seven o'clock. Um, you know, if, if you're going to, if we're going to have this streaming, you're going to have to make sure that that the people that go to games live are able to still get there and get back. Um, mm. We can't we can't be taking that out of out the equation um, and just relying on people streaming. But I think it does open up a, a potentially re- you know viable revenue stream. I think for a lot of clubs and Bolton would definitely benefit. I'm sure of that. Um, whether Andy Holt agrees, I. I I doubt we could find a topic that Andy Holt would agree with wholeheartedly, uh, if we're honest. But um, I'm, I'm sure that uh, he would have his own say on that. I think I, I've seen him say that even even he believes that that's the way it's going and, and that, it, that, that clubs are going to have to find a way to do that. But I think they do need to sit down and, and, and hammer that out and, and make sure that whatever they do doesn't exclude the little guy, um, doesn't favor the big guy and that it's, it's it's nice and nice and fair for starters because you know i know bolton have done very well out of i follow and the, the current agreement um but i can see the other side of the the, the coin and i can see that that the kind of the payments at the moment are, are quite one-sided so i think as long as it's done fairly and as long as it doesn't uh doesn't ruin the the proper football fan i'm all for it right should we have some fantasy league? No. <laughs> <laughs> tough, tough. Yes, I am, don't care. I'm up to 88 this week. 66 points, which wasn't even a great week, especially because I put Saka on the bench for some stupid reason. Um, had I kept his, I think he got 15 points, I'd be 59th. Um, so, you know, I had a pretty good week, all in all. Uh, but let's talk about your team, Henry. That's what we really do need to talk about. Um, Cucurella de Ville, who last week made baby steps. They were they were going in a forward direction, um, but that seems to have turned into a bit of a, a, a light backward jog, like a bit like a bit of a training drill where you're on your toes. Um, can we can we talk about forty six points and down to two hundred eighteenth? Yeah, I've, I think this season uh, my success is going to be based on Harlan scoring a hat trick every game. Uh, the weeks he scores hat tricks, then I will be successful. The weeks where he only scores one, then uh, yeah, I'll be back down. But uh, it, it, it's still the start of the season, Mark. You know, would he have took two hundred and whatever after twelve games? No, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> but uh, like Bolton in League Two, the Phoenix will rise. Like fantasy football on Sky Sports, the Phoenix from the Flames will rise, yeah. and Cucurella Deville will uh, will be successful. Yeah, I don't think Steve Cooper's watching that, to be honest, at the moment. Um, <laughs> no, he's not. No, um, no, it's 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 closing at the top as well, actually. Maximum drama. Max Sefton's team has uh, been running away with it for the last few weeks, but he had quite a slow week this week. He's still got one more point than I did, but 67. Um, coming up very quickly on the rails, Cruise Control, Rowan Baxendale's side. They've got 88 points this week, and Kinder Mbuemo. Liam McNeil's team are third. And I hope I've said that right, because I'm pretty sure I've, I've mentioned that before and got it wrong. But anyway, um, yes, he's he's third. There's only 11 points between the top three. It is really hotting up. And we're going to have to uh, look at uh, sending some prizes out as well very, very soon. As soon as my new set of buff mugs come back from the printers, I will be sending out some prizes. So um, after that week from hell, it's Barnsley this weekend. Let's pick a team to beat him, Henry. Prediction time. Pass us my crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. I did that. After the week from hell, it's Barnsley. <laughs> yes, um, Barnsley. Uh, yeah, um, 
I mean, at least I'm not going to Oakwell. I have to say that the the press benches in the press box at Oakwell historically are one of the most dangerous contraptions that God ever created. They are absolutely savage. They've claimed more laptops than uh, Operation Utree. Genuinely, it's absolutely, uh, absolutely savage. Well, I've got to be careful what I say, because my in-laws are all uh, Barnsley fans, so I've got to be careful what I say about uh, the, uh, the about Oakwell. But, um, yeah, I mean, compared to compared to the uni ball, it's, uh, it's a stadium of a, a past, past era, I guess. They used to do lovely chips, that's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> right, let's pick a team to beat them, though, Henry. So, in goal, we've got James Trafford, obviously. Uh, yes. Obviously. Um, do you tinker with the back three? George Johnson substituted at half-time against Forest Green. Iredale played quite well, I thought. And I also thought Declan John played quite well in that second half as well. Do you stick with that? Um, No, I'll bring Johnston back in. Yeah, I think he's done quite well this season. So I I wouldn't just take him out uh, after one game. Um, Yeah, I'd, I'd put... Put Johnston back in. I mean, I'd probably, I I would probably go. And I know you've you, in your stats, you noticed that when we make a lot of changes, it doesn't tend to go, uh, you know, as well. But um, I, I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably put Iredale back in uh, into right back, um, or yeah, no, left back. Sorry, yeah, let's put him left back because yeah. Con- Connor Bradley yeah. hasn't done a sight wrong, really. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I'm just getting my right and left mixed up. Uh, ah, well, yeah, so. Connor Bradley's obviously in. Free, the free at the back that we used to, and then Idale. Um Would you go the same, or would you bring Declan John in? No, I think I, I, no. Do you know what? No, I'm going Declan John. I'm going Declan John. Huh? And, and do you know what? I'm putting Idale in at left, left uh, centre half as well. I'm, I'm going the whole hog. I'm, I'm changing things, switching things up. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop John off for the first time this season. It's a bit of a statement. It's it's basically a warning to the rest of them. This is what could happen to you. Um, mm. If uh, that's 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 the way I'm working here. And also midfield, I'm switching that as well. I'm, I'm making changes. Do I drop? Right. Who do I drop? Do I drop Johnston or do I drop Johnston? Do I drop uh, Thomason or do I drop Williams? Because I don't drop Kieran Lee. Kieran Lee's in my team. It's one of the two, yeah. And I'm, I'm putting Aaron Morley in. Basically, which one would you go for? Um, I'd I want to see Aaron Morley uh, more of him because I thought he started the season very well, and I think he's been another. Um, he's, you know, I don't think he did much wrong to be honest. Mm. Uh, so I would put Morley back in. I think. Yeah, I, I'm not. Dropping MJ. I mean, MJ inevitably within the next few weeks because he gets booked every week. We'll have to have a week off. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, it's Morley and MJ with Kieran Lee then in the middle for me. So, I yeah, mean, I'd sorry, go George. With, I, yeah, I mean, Thomason. Thomason has been great, and I, I think I, I I think you know he did. For me to struggle a little bit in the last two games, but I mean, let's face it, everyone struggled, so that's nothing against him. Uh, and I, I, I do really enjoy watching him play. I think he's one of the only players we've got that will actually get the ball and look up and try and run into space and create create things. Mm. Uh, but I want to just see Morley back in, and this is a good opportunity to to put him back in. Uh, so I would do that, and then have Thomason coming off the bench. After, I know Everett likes to make changes after about sixty minutes. Maybe put Thomason in then. Um, so yeah, I'd go Williams, Lee, and Thomason. Uh, Morley, sorry. It's not not long before I'll be throwing Josh Sheen into this. By the way, because I, I think I, I'm mm. desperate to see him back in the first team frame. But that's that's what I'm going for with those three. So your front two. I mean, we've been dab- uh, banging the Dapo off a lion drum. So is it Dapo and Charles, do you think? I would, yeah. I, I would. I would play them and, and, you know, be on the front foot. Like, again, I, you know, I should have done my research. I don't really know how bands they play. I know Mike, uh, Mike very, Duff Very plays. similar shape, very similar shape. Right, okay. So 
Yeah, I would. I would have them to go in, go in for it. Um, I think Kachunga. Kachunga needs to do more. I think in the in the penalty area. I mean, he gets fouled a lot, but other than that, I think he needs to have more shots. I think he needs to be, you know, part of his game. I do think he gets stick sometimes when he actually wins us quite a lot of free kicks. So that he is does. a part yeah. of his game. Yeah. But um, yeah, I would take him out. You know, leave him on the bench. You know, maybe bring him on in the last ten minutes as a bit of extra energy. But for me, it would be uh, Dion and Dapo. See how they do. We've got then options off the bench where if it's going, if it's going well, and we just need a change of body, then that's where Kachunga comes in. But if it's not, and we need a change of style, then you've got Bud Varson and Bakioko to bring off the bench. But. Um, yeah, I, I would play Dapo myself. We've got the Pizza Trophy, of course, on the Tuesday night. So anybody that doesn't get a game or get a start on uh, on Saturday will will more than likely start then at the home game. So we should be getting potentially Sheehan, uh, Lloyd Isgrove as well, who played for the um, for the B team the other day as well. Uh, we should be getting a bit of uh, Owen Toll and Owen Beck, and you know some of the some of the players who have. Um, you know, struggled struggled for starts recently, so we should be seeing a bit of them against Leeds under twenty ones, and we can't play down the importance of it because we've actually got to beat Leeds to get through in the group stage as well, I suppose. Yeah, now we were we were a bit worried about Tranmere, and then they got beat to Leeds, and suddenly it's now like, oh well, <laughs> Leeds are our biggest uh, competition to finish top of the group. But I think we should be fine. I think Leeds played a few first teamers in that team against Tranmere, but mm. I think. Um, you know, I do think that we've got enough quality in in uh, both our squads because I do think we've got two first 11s there, which is a credit to uh, the recruitment. But uh, I do think we've got enough to to beat them, um, and I think we'll be fine. I think we'll yeah, it'll it'll make probably six or seven changes. Hopefully, we get to see Connor Carter come off the bench as well um, mm. to play again. So, you know, I think what will happen is he'll, he'll, I think he'll treat it like he did the Tramia game. Because if you remember for the Tramia game, there was Lloyd Isgrove and then the rest of the bench was just uh, B-team players. Obviously, he thought that we would be in the lead and he could bring them all on. Didn't quite work out that way. Uh, so I think he'll treat the same. I think he'll have his first 11. He may have one or two on the bench of the first teamers just in case it is going wrong but the rest will be filled with B-team players that ideally he would bring on in the second half to give him some uh, game time Just looking at the group actually Bolton top of the table at the moment on four points Leeds second three points and they've only played one game uh, Tranmere third two games two points and Crew at the bottom on zero so I, I think a point probably theoretically would be enough Tranmere would have to overturn yeah. quite a big goal difference if they're going to go above Bolton in that respect. Um, but no, yeah, let's finish it off. Let's finish it off. Win, win the group, get through, and then uh, start dreaming of Wembley again. Uh, just as long as you don't have to go to Hartlepool, I suppose. Uh, not, <laughs> yeah. not doing that again. Um, right, okay. Well, I'm afraid that is all we have time for this week. It seems like the episode's gone by in a, in a heartbeat, Henry. It has, but it'll still work out of being about an hour. So yeah, strange uh, how it happens. Thanks. It's strange how it happens, and that's thanks to your uh, excellent editing skills. Ah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we may we may have to play the uh, the long version of the outro music, but it will get there in the hour in the end. Um, yes, uh, please God, please God. Next week we have a win to talk about. Um, I'm not sure I could take another. Seven days of doom and gloom like the one we've just had, um, even if it does have a Papa John's trophy in the middle of it. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I I'm, I think we'll be better off it. I think we'll be more positive uh, next Thursday when we speak. I'd be disappointed. Barnsley are a very good team, and Barnsley are actually, well, they are literally neck and neck with us. I think they've scored more goals, which has put them above us. But, uh, you know, I fancy us at home. Barnsley very unpredictable team aren't they? they they can get great results and then they'll they'll have a nightmare like we did last weekend so uh so yeah hopefully we can win hopefully we get back in the playoff zone and it's all positive i'm going one nil bolton uh dion charles from the penalty spot 
I'll take that. I I would like uh, Dion from Open Play. Um, I'm going to go. Let's go, Dion and Dapo to clean goals from Open Play, where no deflections or pass backs or whatever. Uh, and yeah, we get a two nil comfy win. Uh, Bolton Wanderers one nil. No shots on target. Win with an own goal. That's the, <laughs> that's the way it's, we're gonna we're gonna get promotion via snookers, folks. That's the way this season's <laughs> gonna go. Uh, right. So okay. Until next Friday. Um, like us, review us, tell your friends about us. Um, most of all, of course, uh, come back, or else otherwise this. It's just me and Henry having a very sad conversation on a on a laptop, which you know won't do us any good whatsoever. Um, until next week, I have been Mark. Watch out, Bolton Beer Festival Isles. And I have been Henry. Uh, I won't be there, but uh, have a good time, Hewitt. This has been the buff. <laughs>